We are the tide from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating our rivals never gets old. Making our way to the Big Sky Conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. Welcome back, Tribe from the North Brave and both to the official unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and the Vandal Affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. Joining me right now at this moment via YouTube Live or through your ears on your podcast platform of choice, I'm joined by the Professor Brian Marceau. How are you, Brian? It's homecoming week, so I'm doing as well as I'm gonna. Hoco and running the show from the shadows, Dallas Hammer. How are you, Dallas? I'm hanging in there. It was a rough weekend for me. The Rams looked like crap. West Ham lost in the 90th minute. Uh, obviously, the Idaho game. I'm, you know, I just I'm hanging in there. Yeah, I had the benefit of we co- boat and I covered it on the pre or review show that my soccer teams all won this week: Sounders, Rangers. And uh, Tottenham spot Hotspur. So win, win, win for Chris. Football team's not so lucky. Uh, Boatman will be joining us at some point. He's on the way from a softball game, slow pitch, I believe. Uh, so he'll join in, which gives us time to kind of let Dallas and Brian give their little quick takes on the UC Davis game before we start really breaking down the Portland State homecoming game in the Kibbe Dome. Uh, before we get into Around the Bar and kind of talk about those things, we want to give kind of a, a shout-out, as it were, to the Idaho campaign. It's a campaign the university is currently running right now. It stands for I Donated 100 in October. So uh, check it out. The link is in our description to either the podcast or whatever, and then uh, here's like the university's advertising for it. For more than seven decades, alumni, faculty, staff, parents of current and former students and friends across the Gem State, the region, the nation, and the globe have invested philanthropic dollars in student-athletes at the University of Idaho. What started as a booster club, comprised of businessmen in Lataw County in 1947 with a vision of raising funds for the athletic department, has now become a larger effort a rallying point, a way to make a difference, an opportunity to change lives for the better, a chance to build for the now and for the future. From all walks of life, playing a sport they love, majoring in degree programs housed in every undergraduate college, donations to Vandal Athletics empowers more than 300 plus diverse student athletes at the University of Idaho. It ensures they are successful in the classroom, in the community, and in competition. The transformational impact, memorable moments, lifelong friendships, and an education from a world-class institution are the dividends from years of investments. John Kirtland passionately donned the silver and gold jersey for Vandal football in the 70s and made it his life mission to elevate the Vandals by raising funds on behalf of student-athletes as a volunteer. Your total gift amount will instantly double and an exclusive token of appreciation will be sent to those who donate a minimum of $100. Donate to the pride, the tradition, the excellence known as Idaho Vandal Athletics. Be brave and bold. Join the thousands in the Vandal family who have, are, and will continue to do so to ensure student-athletes at their beloved university have the tools and resources needed to be successful today, tomorrow, for life. Uh, 
All right. So that is uh, brought to you by the Vandal Scholarship Fund. Uh, you can check it out, like I said, in the link in the description or go to youandigive.uidaho.edu. It just launched today, guys. They're already 9% of their way towards their $30,000 goal. So if you can, head on over, donate $100. Uh, it goes to a great cause like you just uh, heard about. But let's get into Around the Bar and talk about something that was a little bit less of a great cause. Uh, our performance at UC Day. Well, depending. You two actually surprisingly sounded more like the optimists, and Bowman and I sound more like the pessimists after this game. So give us the your guys' spin on this. Brian, start with you. Yeah, you know, I, I would understand listeners being a little bit surprised if I do sound like the optimists, but I, I saw a lot of positives for Idaho. Like brain dead thing. If we're not gonna score more than 20 points, we're just gonna lose football games. We've talked about that for three seasons. But Idaho put up 400, 487 yards in that game. Now we've only played one game. We outgained UC Davis by 100 yards. But if we average 487 yards per game, like right now, that would put us as the fourth best total offense in the league. That's a big step up. We have to capitalize. And we another thing we know, we saw this game, Idaho led for a good amount and ended up losing. Paul Petrino teams, we've seen this before. I wish Boatman were here because he experienced this. Petrino is just not known for second half adjustments. He often gets out coached in the second half. That's not new. So if Idaho is going to win, usually we need a relatively comfortable lead heading into the second half to be able to kind of lose that cushion. We didn't have it, so we lost. But UC Davis is a good team. That's the type of team where if we don't have a good cushion, it should shock no one that they come back. So obviously disappointed. Don't like when I feel like a team got out coached. But Beaudry looks great uh, for Beaudry. If he's that accurate, that's fantastic. Therese Trainer wide receiver, looks very, very good at wide out, both size and speed. Honestly, if you don't think we're a top five team, like like most of us think Idaho's kind of a mid-level conference team, that was a nice showing. If we have showings like that against a, about half our conference, we're going to – if we have showings like that every game throughout the conference season, we're going to win at least half our games. Dallas? Yeah, I – I'm going to have some negative points here. So anybody uh, listening to this that has sensitive ears or children in the, the vehicle or room, uh, be careful. This is going to get profane. Let's uh, try to keep the E off this episode. It's homecoming week. It's well, big, we'll keep, we'll keep the Fs to a minimum. We'll, we'll at least go that far. Um, this game was thrilling as a fan and also devastating as a fan. Uh, Talent-wise, it looks like this team could compete with just about anybody in the big sky. Uh, Brian hit on most of the points. Mike Beaudry looked very good. Uh, you know, the, the numbers aren't phenomenal, but he completed more passes than, than he was in the spring. He absolutely looks like he's taken a step forward and can be a, a successful big sky, big sky quarterback at the way he's playing. Uh, Elisha Cummings looked incredible. Obviously you can see averaged 8.3 yards a carry 15 carries for 125 yards. That's amazing. Therese trainer obviously had one hell of a day. And then you come to the coaching and we've, we've talked about this so many times. And I think we are all on the same page that we just know you're going to lose games with Paul Petrino as your head coach. He's, he's going to get out coached in just about every single situation you can, but a game like this is devastating to me to see what happened. Uh, you go into the fourth quarter, you're down a touchdown. You have just over four minutes to go. It's third and seven, so you run a draw. It's not a 
not a call I probably would have made myself, but my experience coaching football is building NCAA football dynasties. Like it's it's not it's not real football. So I, I'm okay with the, the call. But if you're gonna make that call and it doesn't work out, you don't get the first down, you absolutely have to be prepared to go for it. It's fourth and four. You can't kick a field goal when you're down seven with just over four minutes to play. That does absolutely nothing for you. Absolutely nothing for you. So best case scenario, you, you make the field goal, you make the defensive stop, you get the ball back, you're down four. What do you need when you're down four? You need a goddamn touchdown. Same as you did two minutes ago. Go for the touchdown, go for the win. This is where I get really frustrated with this. So we all have different sources on the team. My source, uh, and it's only one, I, I wasn't able to confirm it anywhere else, so take this with a grain of salt. Supposedly, Petrino ripped on the players after the game for their their lack of effort is the reason that they lost this game. It was on the players for messing things up. I think that's bullshit, and I am so sick of this asshole in charge. I cannot believe you're going to rip on these players when you're the person making mistakes. You're the guy who screwed the pooch at the end of this game. Yeah, you you decided you needed the points. Great. That did nothing for you. You trotted out a special teams unit that frankly, has been pretty poor. Punting has looked great. Caleb Lightborn has a leg. Prescott hasn't obviously missed a field goal before. We've had a bunch of kicks blocked. Special teams is just not not flowing right now. It it drives me mad to see that this, this angry man in charge is going to blame the players for something like this when at the end of the day, you did not put them in a position to succeed. And I'm sick of it. I'm at the point where we are expecting him to blow every single game he can. He has to have a huge lead going into half, or there's no, there's zero chance that this team is going to win. And the longer he's been in charge, the more it goes on, the more we watch this, the more I feel less confident in the athletic department. I don't think that they have the best interests of the student athletes in mind. I know that there's money problems here, but as long as he's the coach and as long as he's yelling at kids for not giving enough effort and it's their fault that they lost, I just, I don't understand how you can feel like. Vandal Athletics is supporting these student athletes because we saw it. There is so much talent on this team. They absolutely deserve better than what they have right now. Yeah, I would agree. I not a great as a longtime Paul Defender. Done. There were some <laughs> some rough shots of him on the sideline, um, which we're all used to. But at the same time, it's like like you, now they're trying to sell it right. Like oh well, we hung with the number eight team in the country. I'm like. And why were your reactions the way they were? Shouldn't you be motivating them to overcome the number eight team in the country instead of like belittling them for not conquering? And then the instant it didn't work out in your favor, you immediately switch to placing the blame on the player. I, I'm, I'm not happy with this at all. Um, I'm ready for the move to be made. Uh, unfortunately, we have a whole rest of the season to play out. That was our first game of Big Sky play. Uh, so I don't think we're getting a firing midseason. Uh, I've seen some stuff. Uh, I was going to say, Dallas, compared to what you said, I think on all Vandals, somebody posted that who claimed to be a parent, uh, uh, coach's kid, or sorry, coach's, sorry, a player's parent, <laughs> <laughs> coach's kid. Uh, wow, see, another whole issue with the uh, Petrino saga. Um, but, yeah, so that I've seen that on all Vandals. I've also seen all Vandals. I mean, why not at this point? Fire, if the money is there, somebody's got to pony it up. Luther, interim coach, let him see if he can win it because there is some potential on the staff. They do recruit well. Um, and then if not, I mean, we've been throwing around in our things. There's a laundry list of guys that we all agree or disagree on who could possibly be coach. Um, 
everywhere from Brian Howe or Byron Howe to can't even say his name right, Chris. So I don't know why you want to hire him. Uh, <laughs> but so. yeah, it's uh, we we've we've got a long season ahead of us. I think we asked it in our uh, Patreon Discord chat. What would it take for him to win you back? And basically, everybody said he would have to win out. And even that, we're not sure if it would sway us. And look, I've been a defender of him. At the end of the day, that 2016 bowl game was five seasons ago. Like, you can't rest your laurels on that anymore. I'm sorry. All the changes that have happened during your tenure that you were able to lean on, doesn't matter. This is your fourth season in the big sky. Like, it should be ironed out by now. So, I'm, I'm sorry. Um, I'm with you, Brian, or Dallas. I, I guess I, I had some more reflection on it from, from a football standpoint of why you do kick the field goal, right? Everyone goes, we're down by seven. In his mind, it's, we can still win this game, so we're going to need a field goal at some point, so I want more time on the clock to go do so. I, I, from a from a, from a a coach perspective, that's a, that's a route you do take sometimes is, hey, at some point, we are going to need a field goal, right? We're going to need more than seven points to win this game. So, I mean, not, not I'm just playing a little devil's advocate, right? Like, that's a, that's a coaching philosophy and time management is I like, if I kick a field goal here, I get X more time to maybe try to go and get a touchdown. Right. Like if in theory, our guys block, right. We score that field goal. We're down four. We get the ball back with two minutes left to go win the game. That's, that's a good position to be in. So, I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the thought, right. We need to go execute the, the philosophy with, with blocking. I just want to play a little devil's advocate just sure. to bring a little spice uh, to the show. It's not just cut and dry, right. Yeah. In but terms of what's, what's right and what's wrong. UC I mean, Davis's first seven points came off of us going for it in our own territory yeah. with less yards to go, I get, but like that's a, we already that's a proved class. we were going to go for it on fourth down and the game wasn't even on the line at that part. We've been and doing anything, that for it let UC Davis into the game. Like, We've been doing that for nine years. So decisions were absolutely <laughs> from literally the first quarter to literally zero 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 bonkers. I, I guess I'm I will done, say done. I guess I will say, like we've kind of all agreed upon this in the chat, and I think even I feel like we've even pulled Brian into a more glass half full take is this team does have the talent to have a we almost kind of agree the floor of this team moving forward should be five wins. Like that's the floor, right? Like I think we're all gonna be disappointed at this point if we don't see five wins. Even even if we could get out coached in some situations, I feel like we have the talent top to bottom to beat Portland State, NAU, Southern Utah, and Idaho State, right? We all think we have the talent top to bottom. Like this Beaudry that we have this year is kind of what we felt like we were promised in the spring. Like serviceable, can stretch your field some, looks a little more poised, more completion percentage, yada, yada. The touchdowns will come uh, with his yards and his completion percentage. But the so now I think our minimum expectations is five and six, right? Most of us then think we can snag a win here um, from one of those other, you know, supposed top five teams in the Big Sky. That we, I mean, we just, we just got a crappy schedule this year, guys. Like, there's not much we can do about it. We're not, we're not UC Davis blessed with the schedule. We're not, you know, Eastern blessed. Where even though you play tough teams, you have to play them all at home, right? Like, we got the worst schedule in the Big Sky, so it's even hard to imagine. Like, even even with everything going right, seven wins would have been like impossible to fathom, right? like just based off of who we have to play in this conference, the rest of the schedule. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I predicted six wins at the beginning of the year. I feel pretty good that we can get to that point off of what I have seen. Um, let's just hope that, hey, that's a – that we played our first meaningful game in week five of the season, guys. Like, that's that's insane. And, like, that's, like, that's tough to, like, handle as a player sometimes. Like, you had to go through fall camp – Plus four months, four a whole month. You had to go through two months of football with knowing that nothing meant shit. 
Like that's like, I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, we expect them to be switched on and be ready to go at all times, even the coaches too. Right. But it's easy to get re- like into just sort of like a weird little routine and rhythm. And then all of a sudden we got punched in the mouth and we had to go, Oh crap. Like this is, this is actually a real game that matters and we actually can compete in. Um, and that's just the nature of, I guess, being in the FCS and with our schedule being the way it is, we have to be able to kind of adjust to, but just want to play a little devil's advocate, not making Fair. excuses, Makes but just so want exciting. to pro- provide a little other counterpoints to maybe what we saw and maybe some things to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move on to homecoming week because we already spent way too much time on this uh, for what we've trying to keep our show outlines to. Um, oh, by homecoming- the way, hi, guys. Hi. Yeah. Oh, good to see you. yeah. Well, hey, welcome to the show, Alex Boatman. He kind of did. We kind of just added him there for you listeners and probably had no idea. The viewers obviously got to see him. It was right when Brian was like, I wish Boatman was here. And it was like, speak of the devil and he shall appear. Um, Game details can be dumb. 2 p.m. Pacific time kickoff on ESPN+. Plus. We had a little time zone confusion between, I think we hit all four time zones earlier when we were making the outline. Uh, news from the athletic department. Uh, they will be using metal detectors. I guess this is something I just never realized we didn't have. Um, <laughs> I, I, I guess like uh, somebody brought it up to me and they're like, yeah, just if you guys could let it let people know. And I was like, Oh, well, to be fair, I never realized, like, I'm pretty sure even Eastern Washington required me to go through a metal detector. So, like, I guess I was more shocked Idaho hadn't been doing it. But basically, the athletic department wants people to know, in case you were bringing metal into the game, you can't do it anymore. And maybe expect slightly longer than normal lines. Uh, so try to get to the stadium a little bit earlier if you want to take part in, you know, the, the fun homecoming festivities pre-game so or you know pre-kick so just a uh, heads up there metal detectors try to get into the stadium a slightly bit early and it does look like we might have a bit of attendance for this game so that's actually more of a warning than um maybe in games past portland state boatman i feel like you're the last one on the show you could be the first one to start it off with uh kind of what, what are your thoughts who is portland state yeah, Portland State's an interesting team to me. They, uh, I'm going to use the word frisky to describe Portland State. Not top um, five? <sighs> at Coulter Nuanas, uh, <laughs> Portland State is a top five team in the big sky. No, I mean, so their last few games have been pretty interesting. Um, they've played our neighbors to the west, Washington State, uh, lost there by 20. Um, they first started the year off in Hawaii. You know, I, the Island test is always an interesting one, a little closer, you know, 49, 35. That's a pretty close game. That's their most points scored on the year actually was against Hawaii, um, who actually just beat Fresno state. Right. And what's your bunch of Fresno state, maybe the best team in the mountain West. So kind of an interesting little what place to start out there. Um, but the last three, they haven't scored more than 21 points in their last three games, which I think bodes well for the Vandals. Um, you know, came off the, a road win at Southern Utah, going to Cedar City, the tough environment of Cedar City. Um, and before that, they hosted Montana State and kind of gave them a game for three quarters, which, I mean, A, I don't think Montana State's as good as people think they are, and, and B, I think it shows that Portland State has some fight in them. Um, so I kind of view them as a pretty interesting team. Their quarterback, Davis Alexander, um, can run, can throw, can uh, provide a little spark. And uh, we all know that Bruce Bartum is a dude who stands by his word. And pays when he needs to. Do you think he would like if we wore Portland State shirts to the Kibbe Dome, he would cover our beer tab? Could we trick him into that? Maybe offer him some dots pretzels and what's his Twitter? Does he have a Twitter? Can we tweet at him? He has to. If not, just tweet Bobby Houck. They're like best friends. 
Colt Nuanas. He probably has his number two. <laughs> Speed dial. Uh, Brian so, Marceau. Oh, or Dallas. Yes, go uh, ahead. Bruce Barnum does have a Twitter account. Is it Barney Ball? Um, no, it's even better. It's Coach Barnum 69. No, it's not. Is that real? Or is that like that the is, Idaho Vandal Paul that Petrino? Is absolutely real. It's the one that tweeted out the receipt. It is at Coach Barnum 69. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that, dude. Uh, over under, does Idaho drink more than $14,448 worth of beer this weekend? Yes. Like, probably you double. Do you think I'm you there for like I'm there for three days, Chris. So well, I'm at, I at could, the game. Could, this is this is game. Specific. Oh, okay. I mean, I was I was bring. So if you're there for three days and you get a nice start, man, you actually hey, might not be able. I'll to bring Thrasher along by the game. I'll bring Thrasher along, and we'll know he'll probably cut into most of it by himself anyway. Look, I'm happy the Kibbe Dome sells alcohol now, but like, man, nine dollars for some of those beers when I can get a two dollar tub of Rainier, which actually even may be more important news for a dirty little rumor. No more Rainier or Keystone Light on draft at the corner club. The t- kegs are just getting too hard to get. So for you Keystone Light or draft Rainier drinkers, beware. Um, anyways, Brian, back onto the game. Put the train back on the cart. We're like the kings of going off the rails now. But, hey, content's content. Content is content. In Portland State, they're, they're a mid-level team kind of like Idaho. Their Sagarin ranking is pretty – Almost identical to Idaho's. We are we're Idaho's one eighty one. Portland State is one seventy three. You probably, I mean, that probably makes sense because they have an FCS win and we don't. Although Portland State to me looks like a pretty good matchup. They are neither great offensively right now in two com- in uh, two conference games, going one and one um, against Mon- losing Montana State, beating Southern Utah. They have the number nine offense right now, three hundred twenty nine yards per game. Mixed with the number seven defense, 373 yards per game. They've allowed as many touchdowns as they've scored. Uh, more notably, like they actually seem like they've been broken ever since the Western Oregon game, where in big sky play, they, they scored 17 against Montana State, 20 against Southern Utah. Honestly, heading after our out of conference schedule, I was terrified Idaho was in trouble, but th- this looks like the kind of team that we should be happy that we have at homecoming. Because if Idaho's struggling to score, uh, playing a team averaging less than 20 points a game against FCS teams, um, that sounds like a, a pretty, ni- pretty nice setup for us, even though Portland State is not terrible. We know they're not terrible. They just went to Southern Utah and won. But um, I don't – I mean, they're just, we picked Southern Portland State to be not great in the preseason poll. And I got to say, I feel like we were a little off, but we weren't that far off. I mean, I still, I'm pretty sure they're top five. When you look at look at the offensive production of this team, top five is absolutely it. If if your quarterback goes 18 to 23, 151 yards and an interception, that is terrifyingly mm. uh, talented there. So I mean, I'm I'm about to jump the shark. I'm looking looking at my uh, poll. I put them at 13. Jeez, Chris, <laughs> that's, that's why we think that was That's why when Coulter was on, Chris, I gave you the 13th pick because yeah, I, I had the Cal Poly like, shirt on. Yeah, so no, we, we've joked about the, we love Colton Juan as we, we've joked about that take forever. That's why I put you first was for the fireworks. Sorry, Alex. <laughs> I, I say, I mean, if I had to like kind of break us, break some teams up into like, like, uh, 
sectors or where they'd be at in tiers. If I had to tier teams, I would kind of put us, Portland State, and Sacramento State in a outside the top two tiers of the conference kind of thing, like six through eight range okay. or like well, a like if like I can a pause se- real quick six through nine. Then why? Uh, okay, six through nine. Because like I say Northern Arizona is ahead of us in the Big Sky Podcast Network. It's just All because, right. well, because they beat Arizona, Chris, and they also just took care of Idaho State with no Tyler Vanderwall. So like they have two, they have two and a half wins. We have none or half. So if you think about it, right? But like head to head, I spent some time on versus today, kind of tearing our matchups and. Yeah, we would take care of all three of these teams below us on our schedule um, left or four, I get three or four. Yeah. So I would agree. I would agree with that take though. There are three three distinct tiers yeah. in this conference. I would say tier one, obviously the top five. That does not include Portland State. Uh, the mid tier, which does include Portland State, us NAU, which even that, like it's kind of flirty, right? Like I don't know if yeah. NAU actually deserves right. to be there kind of like i also weber dangerously close to falling into like their own tier of like tier two but they're not mid-tier but they aren't really in that i mean if they lose one more game they might be out of the playoffs so like they can't really be considered top five but i don't know we'll see um interesting take though so preview to everybody who sorry alex were you done i kind of interrupted you there yeah no i mean that's pretty much it like i think i think i kind of put us in portland state in kind of similar ish tier similar tier and like um, I, I guess on versus today, it gave us a, it made us six and a half home point favorites. So, I mean, to kind of, you know, a question for later that I was not willing to bet that was going to be the answer. <laughs> it values home field advantage. Um, and I'll get to Idaho later, but yeah. So, I mean, it values us. It says we're pretty similar ish teams, but we're at home. So right with the, it's, that's what it kind of says. So I, I, I think, you know, we could, ex- we should be about a few points. I'd make us about three, um, three to four point favorites probably if I was to make, make the line here. Yeah. My answer real quick to who is Portland state um, preview to you types of the club listeners to my big sky podcast network kind of power rankings piece. I do. Uh, I haven't hit published yet. Cause I'm trying to make sure I actually do spell check. Cause I get roasted for that. Uh, basically it says uh, to anyone that loves Sac State, this is actually it's because Portland State got seven. I was like, I think Portland State is actually what everybody else in the Big Sky Podcast Network thinks Sac State is. Quarterback Davis Alexander is number two in yards, number four in touchdowns. Running back Malik Walker is number seven in yards. Sac State doesn't even have a running back on the list. He's also number two in touchdowns. Wide receiver Bo Kelly is number four in yards, number two in catches, and number one in touchdowns. While wide receiver Nate Bennett is number six in yards, number four in catches, and number two in touchdowns. So Sat, or Portland State actually has a frisky-ass offense. So um, luckily we have a pretty stingy-ass defense, so I don't think it'll be too big of a problem. But, I mean, at the end of the day, Davis Alexander, probably, maybe a top-three quarterback in the big sky. Um, they're big-name guys that, you know, Colter Nuanas really liked, like Darian Chase, who was the guy at Union before C.J. Jordan. Uh, transferring from Nebraska, had offers from Boise State, Utah, Nevada, Oregon, etc. Uh, one catch, seven yards in the last game. Hasn't really put together a good season. Maybe having a little bit of that uh, Noah Ellis when we first brought him in, where it's going to take him one or two seasons to really get his feet under him, which is probably why he's transferring from Nebraska. But all in all, Portland State right now is the seventh-ranked team in the Big Sky Podcast Network power rankings, and Idaho is nine after being 10 the week before, I believe. Or no, they were nine. But at one point, they were like 10 or 11. So, like, people not a lot of faith in Idaho actually didn't move an inch after having a close game to UC Davis. So, uh, 
Portland State, in theory, in a neutral site game, the Big Sky Podcast Network, people seem to think Portland State would win this game. Any uh, rebuttals before we move on to who Idaho is? I have a quick rebuttal for that. Yeah. Um, Or maybe just more of a general question to you guys. Is Bruce Barnum a better coach than Paul Petrino? No. The... What this game is going to come down to, Barnum loves to run the ball. If you look at the PSU offense while he's been there, they focus primarily on running the ball. Uh, obviously, Davis Alexander is a great quarterback, but he's good at running the ball. They're built about running the ball. What does Idaho do really well? Stop the run. What's Idaho's weakness? The secondary. Sorry if anybody in the secondary is listening, but I think we're all pretty on board with that as that's the weakness of the defense. And to be fair to them, it's less of a weakness than it's been in years past. Absolutely. It has gotten better. It couldn't, couldn't have gotten worse. So. Unfortunately, you're well, behind that front seven. You're going to kind of be the weakness. Well, we're we're going to see if they got better. Like, we did look better against a backup quarterback. So we'll. But uh, to be true. fair, we're the UC see. Davis people going into that game literally said this was like a CJ Jordan Beaudry thing. They Some of them literally thought he was better than Rodriguez. So. Now, Which I would course. say after that game, probably none of them are preaching that. Yeah. But right. you go down Aggie Sports Talk, a lot of them were actually saying they think they had a better chance because they actually liked Hastings more. So. I th- I think the jury's in they're wrong. Uh Rob yeah, is just better. And so no, so that they, doesn't or mean our defense was, is really good. Let's see what Hastings does this week. That doesn't mean our secondary isn't moderately improved, but I'm gonna say uh don't call them improved until we see him against the starter. Uh, I do want to push back against Davis Alexander being great. I That's think he's great. okay. Well, sorry, I'm pushing back against Dallas. Oh, let me, I'll give a broad. I'm going to push back against positive superlatives for Davis Alexander in that I think he looks okay. You know, he right now he's number seven in yards per game in, in the big sky. He's below guys like Mike Beaudry and RJ Martinez. He looks like a guy who's going to average around 200 ish yards per game. He's passed for a touchdown in two games. I think there's a little bit of hype for him because he was only one of two returning quarterbacks if we go back to 2019. But I don't know. To me, he looks a little bit meh. Like, yeah, he's tough. Um, he's a solid guy. I don't think he looks that much different than 2019. I don't think in 2019 any of us would have said, man, that Davis Alexander we got to watch for. Of course, in 2019, Portland State shut us out. So huge asterisks. Idaho, before we decide we're going to you know, be confident here, we got to actually see it because we've seen this team struggle with Portland State before. True. Uh, in fact, we've never really blown them out, have we? Wasn't the game in 2018 kind of? Uh, it was like 21 to 7. They were never like in, like, we always had like control of the game. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it was never, it was, it wasn't like, it wasn't a blowout, but it's never felt like we were like ever going to lose the game. Does that make sense? Yeah. We just that's always felt. Of, when you said that, that's how I kind of remembered it. Kind of like the Southern Utah game, I think, was that. 20 to 7. Yeah. It was just like we had the game. Like, you know, we, our defense just completely shut him down that day. Um, uh, I'll give kinda my score like prediction. They did to us in 2019. Oh, boy. That game. That was a fun weekend, let me tell you. Uh, you and I have different definitions of the word fun. Alex. Well, I had my car broken into that weekend, too, Chris. That was a good time. Then we definitely have a different definition of the word fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, on to Idaho. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much to talk about. We could actually probably pull a little bit of taps here or have everyone kind of talk about what they want to. And I'll, I'll start with Brian. Um, what, what do you kind of want to talk about here with, with Idaho? 
So the first thing to me this game, and I've had this circled on our schedule for a while as, to me, really the most important game of our season, never mind that it's homecoming, is what does this game mean to Idaho? Because, again, just like in the spring, we had some positive takeaways from the UC Davis game. Yeah, frustrations, we've all talked about them, but Idaho didn't embarrass themselves against UC Davis whatsoever. But we keep talking about Idaho in terms of what we could be. We have to win this game, guys. If if Idaho doesn't win this game, Eastern looks like they're going to shred our secondary. Uh, we have Montana after that. If we don't, Idaho doesn't come away with this game, it is truly on the table that we don't win a game until about October 30th, which uh, I'm not saying I'm going to bet on that, but to keep the confidence of the team, to keep the confidence of the fan base, this game, even though Portland State's not a marquee team in the big sky, no one is going to accuse them of that, even, even someone who called them top five team won't say that. This game, to me, is absolutely make or break for Idaho. Of If we think we're going to be solid, we've got to put it together. We have to leave this game with a win. Otherwise, that second half of the season looks looks pretty rough from this far away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this yeah. game – oh, so go ahead, Bowman. No, 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 go ahead, Chris. Go ahead and comment. I was going to say, this game is, is, is super important because I know we kind of talked about the UC Davis game being the linchpin to how the season was going to go. Um, that one's – Gone right, so turning the page forward. Um, this is the new linchpin, and I know it's like, oh, you could say that about every new game. Nope, because if you can't beat Portland State, who is one of those middle tier teams, like I think we'd all agree, we probably will beat NAU at home, we'll probably beat Southern Utah at home, and who the F knows about Idaho State on the road, and we'll maybe sneak up on Montana State, but highly unlikely. Like, um this game officially becomes like, are we the best mid-tier team? Because I kind of touched on this with Boatman in the review show, and we said it last week. Our role this year is probably playoff spoiler. I'd love to be wrong. I'd love to see us be a playoff last in, but we're probably playoff spoiler. To be a playoff spoiler, it means you're probably just on the outside of being a playoff team. UC Davis was a playoff spoiler in 2019, right? Like, you've got to kind of play that role to then become the playoff team because you got to spoil the playoffs for somebody else. If you can't beat Portland State, you're not the playoff spoiler. Portland State is the playoff spoiler. That's the team that people are going to be like, mm, I really don't want to see them in Hillsborough or, ooh, we get like top-ranked Montana State and then the next week we have Portland State coming to our house. Like that could be a trap game. Um, so this this is incredibly important because you almost need to make a statement to like – like we Boatman said, those middle tier teams, whether you include NAU or whoever, we are the middle tier team that with different coaching or another year under our belt uh, could possibly be a playoff team next year. Um, I, I, I would say like, I kind of like a, we always kind of said like, Oh, is UC Davis more important or is Portland State more important? I think UC Davis was the most important game we'll play all year because it shows the side our identity of the team. But this is the most um, crucial game we'll play all year to shape our season, right? Like UC Davis is a barometer game. Like, okay, actually, how good are we? This is going to be, okay, like, are we going to go win some games? Like, are we going to build on that? Or are we going to let us fall by the wayside? Um, so I, I, I mean, I'll, I'll say, finish that up and then throw it, throw it to Dallas before I pull my uh, next tap. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with with that take, Boat, because, uh, Chris, like you said, I think playoff spoiler is the the peak of this team. If they can beat Portland State, especially if they if they look convincing doing it, 
then okay, you've got a shot to be competitive against Eastern Montana, Montana State. You have a chance to maybe knock off one of those guys and and ruin somebody's season. If you lose to Portland State, looking at this schedule, you're probably going to get pantsed by Eastern. Montana's probably going to be a bloodbath. Then you're looking at NAU and SUU as your last two games to make a positive spin on the season. And those teams might be in the same realm as Idaho, as that weird middle tier of they kind of suck, but they kind of don't sometimes. And there's a legitimate chance of loss, 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 loss until the middle or end of November. And that's that ruins the season. Or like four or five wins. Like it's who knows? Yeah. Yeah. We got a nice little home stretch, you know. Tears are close out the year, but we need momentum. Well, and that's what we took away from the spring, guys, is Idaho goes two and four, could easily have gone 0 and six or five and one. But at some point, if, if Idaho's mm-hmm. gonna be okay, like we have to quit living in this world of like, but if these things happen, we have right. to quit seeing the potential of our talent. We have to capitalize. And if we aren't able to capitalize against Portland State, like Chris said, who are we gonna be able to right. capitalize against? Right. Um, I guess for the next tap. Um, I'm surprised we made it this far, guys. We're now just starting to talk about quarterback play for the most part here. Uh, obviously, CJ, um, we saw him start the game, and then all of a sudden we're like, where the hell is CJ at? Middle of the way through the f- first quarter, I start looking on the sideline. I finally see him hurt. First drive. It was the first, first three plays he got hurt. And I'm, but it's like, yeah. it's like we saw him the first drive, first three plays, and we don't see him again. It's like, why is he playing quarterback roulette? What's he doing? I thought he had a guy, right? Like, he's quarterback roulette again. And then we're yes. like – Wait a minute. I think CJ's hurt. Look on the sideline. I see him no shoulder pads. See him in the second half. Street clothes. Um, Coach Paterno today said he is hurt and out for a few weeks. Um, multiple of us have different. I've heard it's it's a shoulder. I don't know which shoulder. It's an AC joint. Um, you That typically can go two to six weeks. It just kind of depends on, on severe, um, which one it is, treatment recovery. So, if, I mean, I would just assume four weeks. Let's, we're not going to see him pretty much the month of October. We're not going to see him um, well until, uh, what would that be? What's the game on November 6th? What would that Southern be like? Utah. Southern Utah might be the earliest we'd see him. Montana, hey, at that point. At that point, you if go, you bought a ticket this year to go watch CJ Jordan, you, you might better sell it. He is not yeah. playing a home game this year. Mostly. Yeah, and so, I mean, I mean, at that point, it goes into do we redshirt CJ? Um, you know, I guess you just wait and see where we're at at the year and see how Mike's doing. Um, but to kind of piggyback on that, kind of everything that I said that I wanted to see Mike do, I feel like I've seen him do so far in, his, in that first game in CC Davis. He lost the job and that didn't phase him. He went out there and probably had his best big sky game we've seen to date. And that includes a win for a season in Washington, right? Yeah, that that hurts. You know, um, that includes a really close game versus UC Davis in which he had no offensive line blocking for him last spring. So, like, I would love to see Mike. If Mike continues this, guys, we're in a good spot. I feel okay about quarterback places. This is the quarterback situation, quarterback we were promised in the sense that this guy can throw the ball. He's serviceable. He makes okay decisions. He ran the ball well. Like, I mean, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are on what we're going to see. If we're going to see CJ again, if we're okay seeing Mike the rest of the year, um, and not to, like, like throw another wrench in the thing. Last thing I saw Zach Borish on game day versus UC Davis, they showed the shot of him limping off the field. Never saw him again. So I don't know the injury report on that. That, I mean, I don't, I haven't heard that he's hurt. I haven't heard anything on that, but let's just pray that hashtag let Borish throw is going to be a okay. Because if we're not going to have CJ having Borish to go run those running plays occasionally and mixing it up a little bit 
is still good to have. And we did see, we did see CJ and Borish on the same play, which Borish scored the 70 yard touchdown. We also saw Borish and Mike on the same play and Mike lined up at running back and they did a little, a read option. So I don't know how many teams are going to buy that, but still like we've, we saw a little wrinkle that I wanted to see going into these games of multiple quarterbacks on the field, at the same time with a read option. I just, I kind of went long there, but I just want to know what your guys' thoughts are on our quarterback situation. I personally love the Paul Petrino creativity there of like, cause he originally, if you watch that play where Boris scored the touchdown, CJ lined up at quarterback, they shifted, which I think got the defense like what? Like just enough to where they're like, wait, do I still have the same cut? And they snapped the ball, you know, read option, great fake by um, Jordan. It appears maybe that's why they ran that play originally was because Jordan was hurt because he did not come on after that play. Unless it was the same play with Mike later with the shift. Maybe he did the exact same play later. And then it was like stupid because I don't know. He might've got hurt the first play of the second drive because UC Davis had a terrible production quality and they literally were hot miking and filming the crowd going, well, there's a lot of empty seats over there while the play was going on. But so it might've been that first play. I don't know who took quarterbacks at for the first play of the second drive, but after that it was Borish and then it was Beaudry. So CJ Jordan didn't come in after that. Um, Beaudry has proven he could be the guy. And that's where I'm sorry. I'm the guy who's been telling people when we sign this kid that CJ Jordan is going to be the kid. And I feel bad being the guy who keeps telling people just to wait, be patient. Good things will come to those who are patient. He's played his four games, just use the red shirt, man. Like we said, Best case scenario, it's two weeks, so you're back at Montana. Is that really the type of game you want to throw somebody in who's really not had that much playing time this year against that defense? Hell no. And at that point, like, Beaudry should probably have just earned the job, especially if he doesn't. It's because we lost to Portland State or Eastern, and the season is kind of meh anyways. Save him because next year he's a freshman. I mean, obviously make sure he's okay with it because last time we wanted him to transfer. If it's him saying, hell no, I will transfer – then yeah, you don't redshirt him. But if he's okay with it, like at this point, our best case scenario is getting back with Southern Utah. Worst case scenario, the whole like Montana State. Um, there's no reason to put him back in. Like at this point, we have what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games left. Giovanni McCoy has four freaking games he can play. Uh, Nate Cisco has four freaking games he can play. If quarterback depth is an issue and you need that third string guy, we have guys on this depth chart. Like, there's no reason, in my opinion, now to to risk um, Jordan going forward. I would like we just roll in. He is the guy. Fall 2022. That's my opinion at this point. Brian? To keep it narrow, more narrow to the game that we're gonna see. Portland State just looked all right against Justin Miller, who I think Justin Miller is probably a fair comparison right now to Beaudry in that it's not that Beaudry can't. Beaudry had, did look better against UC Davis going. They had a good duel the last spring, Miller and Beaudry, yeah. in, the, in the dome, right? So actually, well, it was CJ Jordan. Beaudry, sorry, yeah. sorry. That was actually sorry. CJ. Beaudry didn't play that game, but uh, Justin Miller, they're similar styles right now in that they're, they're hitting short yardage pretty well, pretty accurately. Doesn't mean they can't go deep, but they cer- going deep is certainly not the calling card for either player right now. And Portland State just looked okay. They limited Justin Miller to below 200 yards. And I also think a big question for us is going to be the offensive line because I think UC Davis certainly cracked the code of what to do against Idaho, which is blitz the hell out of the quarterback. And that was when we saw Beaudry start throwing. And I know this is play calling. But second half, when Beaudry had the pretty intense pressure from UC Davis, we started seeing 
uh, predictable short passes. You see Davis start sitting on short passes. They certainly could have had a couple more picks than they did, which which is, I mean, that, that's not a put down to Beaudry. When you're, you have no time, it's, it's just tough. So I expect Portland State's probably going to be doing that against Idaho. So the question on Beaudry is how the line holds up. But also minor thing just for going forward, Beaudry hasn't played a full season. I don't know if he's ever made it through a full season college football. So I wouldn't be shocked if we have a, a Scott, a Zach Borish game coming up in, into the future, because if, it, you know, we all talked about the idea if CJ's out for a while, probably red shirt. We'll see if that happens. We'll, because I mean, Paul is playing for his contract. So I expect decisions will be based off of him looking good for the contract, but Beaudry has certainly missed time. So, I hope we get to see Zach throw a little bit because I know there's always a talk of like not giving tape, but at some point, like, I mean, the the guy's got to be able to get reps and we have to expect Zach is probably going to have some extended time at some point later on, but narrowly for this game, we need Beaudry to be accurate and good Lord. We need the line to buy him time because you know, Portland state's going to see that tape from UC Davis and give him pressure. I want to just quickly jump in and, throw in the hashtag let Borish throw. We kind of saw it last week with Trent Tompkins from UC Davis and how hard it is to defend a quarterback that you do have to be prepared to throw the ball once in a while when he's the designated running guy. Borish obviously busted off that 60 year touchdown. Offense looked great on that first drive. After that, he had nine carries for 22 yards. After that, UC Davis pretty much sniff, sniffed it out that, oh, when that kid's got the ball, he's not going to throw it. I want to see that fix moving forward. And I know that we say this every damn week, hashtag let Borish throw. But if if he's going to play, which Brian, like you said, Beaudry does have a tendency to get injured. We're probably going to see Borish get some run at some point in the rest of the season. Let him throw it. Let let defenses be caught off guard by that. If you keep putting together tape where he's just, he's in there to run the ball, they're going to sniff that out. And, and it's going to be really frustrating if we see that this week. Beaudry's in most of the time. Borish comes in, and the second he's in, it's a run that goes maybe three yards because the defense knows what's coming. So the last time Mike Beaudry played a full season without missing a game, do you know what happened? They won D2 national title at West Florida. Yeah, played and, what's, four, and what's their four, and 14 games, and they're throwing 29 touchdowns. And what's their mascot? Does anyone the know? The Argonauts. Oh, Coincidence? I think not. Yeah, I definitely didn't know that until we got uh, Mike Beaudry. And they yeah. are getting looked at as an FCS squad now. I, I feel like game, so. Alex just embraced his inner Alex, someone who has a different show that covers different conspiracies, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. Um, they play in a baseball team. It's really cool. Like I would love to see yeah. a game there. Hey, I, they- I, they will be an FCS team. team if the FCS is what it is now within five years. They're already getting looked at. Love, by the love their color scheme too. Blue and green. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. And they're kind of like Kennesaw State. They're like brand new and immediately competed. Man, I can't imagine what it's like to immediately compete in something you expect to. Um, Brian, you want to pull tap? Or you just did. Uh, Dallas want to pull tap or anybody else? I think we should probably get to score predictions. We are at 47 minutes so far. Okay. Well, I, I have a quick. Quick little uh, summary for you guys. I just want to peg to all the people out there. I did the task that I wish not upon anybody f- except for people out of the University of Boise State because it's about as good as they are. Um, I counted every single green dot on the ticket buying system for the University of Idaho. 
How many tickets do you guys think are still for sale for this game against Portland State on homecoming? And In Idaho system? Yep. And to disclaim, that doesn't include any of the luxury boxes or the student section. They're just automatically grayed out. So we are talking section 1 through 15. I counted 4, every little green dot. Lower. Four, oh, like 2,000? You were closer with 4,000. 3,713. We don't um, have 12,000. I'll be, I'll, I'm going to say this is an 11 to 12,000 person game. I'll, yeah, maybe be, maybe 10. If, be I'm going to be happy to break 10. We have like five sections sectioned off for just students. So, yeah, probably because they haven't been coming out. Student? The no, they course. actually showed up pretty good for the uh, Simon Fraser game. If you actually look at the, the shots of the, like the stadium, there was way more students than there was others. You know why? We sell beer now. And guess what True. Idaho likes to do? Have a good drink. Time. Beer. Uh, those of you that sit in section 14, you got to pick it up. You guys are the straggle behinds here with 896 tickets available in your section. What section is everybody else in? I'm in four. My section has 310 seats available. We're doing all right. We're like third place in ticket sales. I don't know where I'm sitting. Oh, who knows? You'll be in the box. You're in I don't seven. Know all, I don't 184. Know Way to go, Dallas. You got to. Your How section shows doing? out. How's six doing? Six is 66. They are the best selling. Wait, section. that's three sixes? Oh, shit. Yeah, that is. Section six that's, is 66 seats left for sale. News, that news. is the 50 yard line, so that makes the most sense. But, that's where my parents are at, and that's where I'll probably be. Anyways, if uh, 3,714 of you listen to the show that want to go, one of you is going to miss out because you didn't buy a ticket. Uh, anyways, go buy tickets. It's homecoming. We're opening the arena. Solid plugs. Homecoming is always a blast. Just do it. Go to the game. Uh, all right. Into score predictions. I'll go first. Uh, guys, this is just typical Idaho. Those who don't learn from the past are doomed to repeat it. I know this is slightly different. We didn't have the top 25 upset win at home and then a road game to follow, a.k.a. North Carolina, or North Carolina, I wish, uh, Northern Colorado, 2000. 18 and then 2019 who we lose to to Eastern after anyways. Oh, UC Davis. But, um, I 21, 20 Idaho. I actually think this game is not going to be super pretty. I think we still win it. Cause I think we're the better team. And I do think Paul Petrino is a better coach than Bruce Barnum. Uh, but 21, 20, I think this is like ugly and you get a lot of people walking away from the dome. Like, Ugh. uh, next up Boatman. Um, yeah, I guess like, should I hope be the favorite? Yeah. Versus makes us a four point neutral field favorite, make throwing about an extra three points for home field advantage makes us about a seven point favorite. According to versus it says 29, 23 on that. Um, Idaho is eight and four at home versus big sky teams under Paul Petrino. Only four losses are UC Davis in the spring, which like we controlled that game until the fourth quarter, Montana in 2018, which great team. Weber State by six points somehow in twenty in twenty nineteen, and then Sac State in twenty nineteen. They killed us at home, but they were that was the year they were a seeded team. Our four losses are to really good teams. We have not lost to a team that is okay to bad in the Big Sky. Eight and four. I'm going to go Vandals thirty one, Portland State seventeen. So Alex might have pushed back. 2018, we lost a month, a 6-5 Montana. They're okay. But I, the point point stands. That's the worst home team we've lost. The worst to home team we've lost to. And yeah, that was... Basic point stands. We haven't lost to bad teams at home. 
And they were a fumble on the goal line in Missoula away for making the playoffs. Right, which but still that, that makes they were still, they were still a good team. They were still they were a, a good team. Fringe playoff they, team, yeah. They were yeah, okay. For, like they we have not lost to an okay or a bad team at home, right? Like Yeah, yeah. The the basic point still stands. It's just Montana's not that great. They were not bad. My score prediction, I can't part of me is still is terrified, like I've said, that teams are gonna watch the second half UC Davis and blitz the hell out of us and could have been turnovers, will be turnovers, but we're not there yet. 24-17 Idaho. Boy, I I really, really wanted to pick Portland State for this game. This, to me, if it was on the road, I would absolutely be going against Idaho. This has the feeling of most times that Idaho has a good, a good showing that we feel good about. Usually the next game is just a complete dumpster fire that makes us all feel a little bit of hatred inside. I don't think this game is going to be great. I'm going to say Idaho 21, Portland State 20. Same as Chris. That was what I had going in. The other way, I'm going to switch it and say Idaho. Okay. Uh, That's a solid one. That was uh, Around the Bar brought to you by Hughes River Expedition. If you're looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental United States located right here in the great state of Idaho. Enjoy a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the salmon, the main salmon river of no return, the salmon river canyons, the Selway, or even check out special trips like the one to see the Perseid meteor shower. Come camp on pristine beaches, run amazing white water, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs, take in history all along the river's edge. Oh, and you just get a fish, some of the most remote stretches of the river in the entire effing country. You bring your clothes, let HRE handle the rest. Hughes River Expedition has been vandalized and operated since 1976. We're going to take you on a vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the ball all throughout the great state or throughout the gem state. Call them now at 800-262-1882. Check them out at HughesRiver.com. Watching the TV, a.k.a. Around the Big Sky. Uh, last week, Dallas with the big win going 5-1. and one. Uh, I went four and two. Brian went four and two. Boatman and you guys at home, our Twitter followers, went three and three. That means the finals, or not the final stands, the current standings are not in order. Chris doing math, bad decision always. Brian is 40 and six. Dallas is 38 and eight. Boatman is 36 and 10. Uh, I am 35 and 11. And you guys are three and three. Yeah. Losers get some more wins. God, what have you been doing all season? Not voting on our polls that haven't existed. Anyways, uh, Montana versus Dixie. I'm gonna keep this quick. Uh, Dixie has like not looked competitive against anybody but Sac State. Montana's a shit ton better than Sac State. Montana. Oh, I guess me. Um, yeah, Grizz by a, a million, even without starting quarterback. Dallas. Um. I think they might have upgraded with Cam Humphrey getting hurt. So Montana by a million. You're going to pick Montana. We covered it. Uh, Cam Humphrey went down against Eastern Washington. Um, Honestly, Eastern, the Eastern Montana game over the weekend was wild. One of the best football games I've ever seen. Uh, Montana's defense was great, but still gave up 538 yards to Eastern. They're going to, they're going to recalibrate. They're only giving up 2.1 yards per rush. Dixie doesn't have a chance. Montana. Eastern at Northern Colorado. Look, Eastern is going to win this game. Talk about a trap game like we got UC Davis last week. I think maybe this game closer than probably what the spread is going to be. 
but I still think Eastern wins. Maybe one of those where it's competitive at halftime, and then Eric Barrier does Barrier things. Um, but just Northern Colorado might hang for a while. That's all I'll say. So you're saying it's the exact opposite of Western Illinois? Yes, exactly. I mean, opposite I mean, they're going to win. I think it's just more of a question of by like how much they're going to win by. So yeah, I mean, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Eastern. Um, Eastern on the road in Greeley. Um, oh, no more Jesus. long grass. Yeah. Oh man. Ugh. 51 to 18 according to versus. I'm doing these on versus. I'm curious. I'm just looking at the score. That's that's an ugly score. 51 18. Yeah, I've got to go Eastern huge here. Uh, right now, they're the best team in the big sky. Uh, they did lose to Lolo Lima Jones, who he does have that weird affinity for dropping easy he's touchdowns. Also wide open touchdowns. But, but then also being open all the time. That's yeah, he's open. He's all always time. open. He he's like Hollywood Brown as much as he drops the ball. He's like, he's like Hollywood Brown of the Ravens. If he didn't have the, the problems with his hands, he would be probably in the SEC somewhere. Like that guy, it physically has he's like six four. Too. He's going to be out. I'm assuming it looked like he messed up his ankle really bad at the end of that Eastern game, but they still have enough talent. They're going to destroy Northern Colorado. So, yeah, I don't know about the Lima Jones injury. I saw it happen, but he came back at the end of that game. Doesn't mean he had receptions, but he did play after the injury. Northern Colorado guys is terrible. Since their win against Houston Baptist. They have scored they scored 10 against Lamar. They scored 17 in overtime against Northern the Stalwarts, Northern Arizona, and scored set lost 40 to 7 to Montana State last week. They're gonna they're gonna die. Eastern's gonna score as many points as they want to, and then Northern Colorado is going to score 13. Maybe uh, Max McCaffrey snaps two clipboards and throws them into the stands as quote unquote souvenirs this time. But no, Northern Colorado is going to die. Eastern just looked great against an elite defense. Montana's not uh, against Montana. Northern Colorado is just nothing. Uh, UC Davis and Idaho <laughs> Davis. Uh, yeah, Dave versus makes this like a 42 to 17 Davis, which I, I think it'll be interesting to see what Davis does with their quarterback situation. Like, they benched Hastings against us in that fourth quarter. Like he did not see the field the rest of the game. But Rodriguez um, was concussion protocol from what we heard. So yeah. So I mean, he, he dressed but didn't good. play. So I mean, but also if you're if you're UC Davis, do you trot him out versus Idaho State, who just that lost like thirty to, to an no. AU? Right. Like I don't know. I, I think it'll be interesting to see more of what they do. But yeah, I, you, UC Davis is going to Dalton like, need it. You see if you can win it with Trent Topkins, and if you start to lose, you bring in Rodriguez. Yeah, I mean, UC Davis is going to kill him. I don't think they even have to worry about playing Hunter Rodriguez. I think you could trot out Hastings and beat this squad by 25. So if they go Tompkins, I think that they still win by 30 plus. This game is not going to be close. Yeah. Idaho state. uh, We don't know when Tyler Vanderwalk starting quarterback for Idaho state is going to return from injury in his absence. Hunter Hayes for Idaho state has thrown two touchdowns to five interceptions with 52% completion percentage. It's It's not struck all over again. If Matt Struck was way worse, because at least Matt Struck accrued <laughs> yards, uh, Hunter Hayes, 315 yards in two games. He's had like 160. No, dude. They, Idaho State has no chance against maybe anyone but Cal Poly until Tyler Vanderwall's back. UC Davis wins easy. It doesn't matter who their starting quarterback is. Mm, yeah. Where are some for the future of the Bengals? Uh, Cal Poly at Montana. Dude, we just have like. Uh, yeah, a poop emoji of a big sky schedule this week. Uh, Cal Poly and Montana State. Uh, I mean, no, nah, I'm not even going to. Yeah, duh. 
Bobcats. Yeah, uh, Bobcats versus makes it 48 to 14. Uh, they're in Bozeman, so yeah, Bobcats. I'm, t- I'm telling you, even though we don't know what Montana, how good Montana State is, like remember we looked at their schedule begin- beginning of the year, like part of their schedule is like easy, and part of it was hard. Everybody and, at home was easy, and everybody hard was on the road. I think it's like getting ready to flip soon, so I'm not yeah. quite sure how good this team like actually is, and we're not going to know, I think, until like a week or when well, they play Weber State, right? Is that next week? Yeah. Right. Uh, so I think that's their first ESPN. like their first tough game outside of Wyoming uh, was as Weber State. So I don't think we're going to know how good Montana State actually is. Like I think they're good, but I'm not sure. Yep. Uh, Look, you guys know that. I love Bo Baldwin, and I would cut off my leg right now if it meant he was the next coach of the Vandals. There is no way Cal Poly looks even competitive against Montana State past the first two drives. This game I blame Paul Wolf. I blame Paul Wolf. Paul Wolf is at Sacramento State. I thought no, he was at Cal, Cal Poly. Poly. He's at Cal Poly. He was at Sac State. He's at uh, Poly. Fact, have you looked, have you, fact check. Paul Wolf is now at Cal Poly, guys. Just learn this. Have you guys looked at the <laughs> Cal Poly coaching staff? <laughs> it's, literally just like, it's literally just like Eastern guys. It's literally, it's literally just like yes. Eastern Washington, like West yeah. Coast. Yeah, he basically took Troy Taylor, made Sac State like Eastern light, and then Bo Baldwin got the Poly job and just said, I'm taking all of them, which is probably why Sac State is terrible. Sac State's not terrible, but uh, Cal Poly. They barely oh. beat Dixie and Idaho State, who are trash monkey. Like, but that was Tyler Vanderwall in Idaho State, right? They are. Nothing triggers me more than Sac State being well, good this year. Clearly, no one said they're good. You're just wrong that they're awful. Cal Poly they're is awful. going to lose by a lot. Now, two things. Boatman, I fact-checked myself. got to fact-check you. Wyoming almost lost to UConn. So maybe Wyoming sucks. It's oh, true, yeah, exactly. So, th- so that yeah. takes that takes the Bobcats. Well, the, the fa- they follow up that with like I think a win versus Northern Illinois, who beat Georgia Tech. Transit win properties are really fun when you get to the FBS level. Um, like there was one year Idaho had one win but won a national title in 2014 yeah. off a of transit win property. But I mean, like, I'm not sure how good Montana State is. Like, I I think everyone's just like saying like, like how much of it was choked, right? Like, we don't know. And I don't think we're going to know until the latter part in this year, of this year. So what we know is they're not terrible. We know they're at they're least solid. Bad. And again, yeah. they're, they're at least solid. The, like they're that's the a four. Fifth best the interesting thing in this game, guys, is going to be the contest between running backs from Montana State, Isaiah Afonze and Elijah Elliott, to see who has the most yards per carry. Uh, Afonze leads the league in rushing at 331 in conference play at 331 yards in two games. Elijah Elliott, 126 yards in two games. But otherwise, there's nothing to pay attention to Montana State goals. I I guess like I'd put Montana State closer to like the Idaho tier than I would to like Eastern. If I had to like right, if I had to like, I would still put Montana State in that Eastern tier. But like the separation of it, I think they're closer to like an Idaho, Portland State, and Zach State than they are to like Eastern Montana and UC Davis. Dude, That's like has, just my take on Montana State. Montana has not moved from my five spot in the rank like power pole. You mean Montana State. Montana State, sorry, yeah. yeah, and they won't. They they are the fifth best team in the conference. They will be the last team in if the playoffs come around. Does Weber State get their the quarterback grades. versus yes. them next week? Uh, oh. I think no. that's what the Weber guys said. I, I get, that's when we'll find out if Montana State's for real. Because uh, right. Weber State's not as good as Eastern or Montana right now. No. But Weber's not bad. No. Uh, this right. lets you know about the game. Like, we're talking about Montana State, but not this game. True. Uh, Southern Utah at Sac State. Just delete mm-hmm. you, Southern Utah. I'm serious. Sac State is not good. All right. Versus makes this 29-21 Sac State. Give me the Hornets 
at home, 6 p.m. ESPN Plus. There in the around the gold track. If you go off of the Sagarin ranking, Sac State is 153. Southern Utah is 195. Chris, you're saying Sac State is trash. Well, I think SUU is just as trash. So I'm going to go Sac State. Bad. I'm going to go Sacramento State. The, the reason why is I'm okay on Sac State, not like super low, but not high, is defensively they, they have looked solid. They're like They look like the t- kind of team that shouldn't face plants against terrible teams. The problem is that they have to score points, which is why they struggled weirdly against Idaho State until Vander, until Vanderwall was out because then Hunter Hayes was terrible and gave him great field position. But Sacramento State's going to be close. I still have faith in Justin Miller, but not tonight. I get real real quick. On a neutral field, Idaho versus Sac State. Anyone, any guesses according to versus? Neutral field. Idaho Sac 34, Sac State 24. I'd go Dallas, Sac State by 10. By 10, Brian? Oh, man. You guys are hearing me in real time scrolling down Sagarin rankings. Um, I don't give... below them in Sagarin. Idaho's like, well, okay, are. I'd, I'd expect they'd say neutral field. Sacramento State wins by. Three, but I'd probably pick Idaho. Idaho by two on a neutral field. According to versus, they don't like Sac State either. I think they also they also value us pretty highly. Not highly. They say we're a B minus team, right? Like decent decent offense, decent defense. Our strength of schedule is like super high. It's literally like a ninety. It's like a ninety four. Like I don't think anyone thinks guy has more of a hard schedule than we do this year in terms of strength of schedule. Um, so well, the Colorado's got one pretty tough, bro. Eastern Washington's got a pretty rough one too. Yeah, but, but I'm saying in terms of like, it, val- it values us on the road more versus UC yeah, Davis yeah. and at Eastern, right, and at Montana State, they value those pretty high. Um, I mean, not to say it's like end all to be all, but like analytics wise on neutral field, Idaho and Sa- I think we're all pretty spot on that Idaho, Sac State, Portland State, not that far off if you put us on a neutral field. I think Sac State's way worse. Sac can, State's in my bottom tier. I'll die spend- on the hill. End of the season. We they will be above that. Idaho State and Cal Poly. We need to Market. spend 10 seconds going over the anomaly of Sac State that Asher O'Hara transfers from Middle Tennessee State. He's a like second team all American conference in 2020. And FBS played a regular season that, that year. And then he comes to Sac State and can't even win the job and doesn't even look like a good big sky quarterback. Well, remember, like he it, is the guy who started slightly over a quarterback competition for Weber State's Randall Johnson, who's looked terrible too. I know, but he produced in the FBS. And I just, it is like, I, I'm okay writing off Randall Johnson as like, hey, Jay Whisper, uh, Jay Hill is just the quarterback whisper from you know, what we've seen. Like, I mean, Jake Constantine looks good having like, hey, Jake Constantine. The Rice Owls. Jake Constantine's starting to look better and better every season. He's not a Weber. Exactly. Is it is Jay Hill the quarterback whisperer? I'm fine saying that right now. But uh, Astro Hera, honestly, I've watched a decent amount of Sac State because I think they're like okay, but I, I I don't think they score well enough to be that exciting. I don't get how he could ever have been good anywhere. He's not better than Jake Dunaway at Sac State. He's certainly not even close, like a top half league quarterback. How could he produce anywhere at FBS? Put Sac State at ten in my preseason rankings. Anyways, we, we, turned, close. we turned a terrible conference slate this week into some great discussion. Yeah, we props did. to us for the content. <laughs> this is a this is a terrible <laughs> slate. Like this is a terrible slate. We this have the closest. Game. We have the closest slate. game. And is like, is Idaho Portland State analytics. the game of the week in the Big well, Sky? It is. That's, no, it it is. You know the Big Sky gave us this because they won all eyes in Moscow for top five Portland State. 
at homecoming. Get that Eastern Washington, Montana trash out of the way the week before on ESPN2. All eyes in Moscow. Bubbly Barney versus Pissy Petrino. <laughs> We've got ourselves a matchup. <laughs> I also don't know if there's a coach in the big sky like less than Bo- than um, Bruce Barnum. Did his Twitter like handle change no, your mind, though? No, I think he tries way too hard. Uh, also, like, off the record, I mean, we don't make the show about this. He's a, he's a COVID denier. We know this from media days, which I uh, put some points against him there. But also, like, Portland State just is not very good every year. And th- my reaction is more to, like, media polls thinking they could be okay. They could be good someday. And, they, they like, they're okay, but they're they're never close to what people expect them to be. It's they have they no have future. Recruiting recruiting every year like according to 24 7 if we could kick one team out of the big sky and just pick any i'm counting like like hey su is back in the full pick one team i pick portland state i like oh. i can't make i have nothing but com- indifference that is now boiling over to contempt for portland state so like, i'm the second best basketball arena now so yeah, i mean see so I'm, I'm, kick out sac state like their basketball arena I even sucks you're in northern Colorado, is at least funny yeah <laughs> Can we just yeah. trade Sac State for UC Davis as a full member? Seriously. Can we just make a swap? Can we? Like, <laughs> can we ship Sac State to the Big West? Can Seriously. we ship him to the Big West? Sac State does not belong in the Big Sky. They're... <sighs> Portland State also has this way of hiring coaches weirdly committed to dumb sports metaphors. Like their basketball coach who had – he made, oh, he made yeah. uh, waves in the summer over yeah. how he doesn't eat breakfast because he goes to work hungry. Yes, and then Bruce Barnum yeah. talks about it. Media days, how he installed it's swinging doors. doors. <laughs> yeah, swinging doors because it's going to be the, wild, the wild, wild, wild west. <laughs> no, it's like the Portland State handbook for hiring it. coaches is: Hey, can let's read business books from love 1972. It. Let's take the least interesting message from them that we know doesn't actually mean anything, and let's make that the staple for hiring our guys. Hey, as long as they keep buying the students beer, I don't think anybody cares. Hey, hashtag. Hashtag top five. Speaking of beer, closing the bar. Uh, remember to donate to the I Donate 100 in October campaign. In case you didn't catch that acronym is Idaho. Uh, you and I give uidaho.edu. Uh, make sure you are aware that metal detectors at the game. So get in early. Chris, hold on. Yes. We didn't talk about West Virginia this week. I'm a little, I'm a little sad and disappointed. <laughs> so- <laughs> like if only we had someone who brings it up all the time anyway. Uh, I make Chris quit. Well, Boatman, it's your show. Chris left, so <laughs> let's let's hear. Let's no, hear Mountaineers. I just talk. had a terrible sports weekend. The Mariners made me the most sad, so I think that's my only take. The Mariners, Mariners in Idaho made me the most sad, but yeah, West Virginia lost at home too. That was a killer game. Talk, you guys want to talk about a quarterback controversy? Let me tell you, our fans want to murder people here. Neil Brown, slightly on the hot seat here. Hashtags fun belt. All I heard was Neil Brown on the hot seat, and that's how I know that was a waste of my time. Closing <laughs> the bar. Uh, make sure if you join our Patreon, patreon.com backslash tubs of the club, you get to join our uh, inaugural Discord channel, which I thought, you know, game thread went all right. We got game threads, regular talk. You know, we're working it out just like you guys, and we're adding other benefits and stuff like that. So patreon.com, we'd appreciate it. Thank you to all our Patreons. We do have, I should have the list up. We'll have it next week. To read you guys all off because it keeps growing. Um, that's it. Uh, time for Colby Cuff to play us out with the beer or Moscow drinking team song. It's Hoka Week. 
Let's beat these stupid Vikings. As an idiot student said at Boise State, Vikings are just vandals with boats. Go vandals. Go vandals. Fire Paul. So raise your glass and have a drink with me. Here's to the vandals in the crowd. I'll just out there living the dream. Part of one and only Moscow drinking.